Welcome, men, to Maximus Men's Driving for Greatness, a podcast for men who are Catholic or interested in the Catholic faith. Hi again, I'm Krista Silver from the Life Family and Outreach Office in the Archdiocese of Sydney. And today we've got a really, really special episode because I'm joined by my boss's boss's boss, Bishop Richard Umbers. Thank you, Bishop, for joining us today. Thank you, Chris. Fantastic. And just before we get into things this afternoon, a reminder to all of you watching or listening that you can go, if you haven't, like our Facebook page called Maximus Men's Striving for Greatness. And we also have a men's group on Facebook where we can encourage each other and where we also have regular challenges for the men in our community. And that group is called Maximus Men. So make sure that you check those out. Um, so before I start quizzing you on the topic for today, Bishop Richard, which is the inner life of man, um, I might just say a quick opening prayer, if that's sure. okay. Sure. In the name of the Father and of the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you praise and thanks for this time. Um, we're blessed to have Bishop Richard here with us this afternoon. Um, I pray that you bless this conversation and that it may be fruitful in the lives of every man who watches or listens to it. Um, that the wisdom that you can speak through this conversation and particularly through Bishop Richard would help these men to grow in their faith, um, help them to become more of the men, whether they're husbands, fathers, in the seminary, priests, religious, whatever they are, help them to become more of the men and more of the saints that you call them to be. Um, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was at the beginning, is now and to be shall be world without end. Amen. And Saint Joseph. Pray for us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Fantastic. So today we're talking, as I said, about the inner life of man. A lot of the guests that we've had on this show so far have exhorted the men who are listening and watching to this to prayer and to just to get going in their prayer lives. But today we got, we want to take it a little bit deeper. We want to take it just that step deeper and um, look at how we can habituate prayer and, and sanctify our lives, especially for us as laymen. So Bishop Richard, can you give us a little bit of background about yourself, first of all? Um, how did you go from, I guess, being born in New Zealand? Um, what, what's your background there? How did you end up in Australia, in Sydney, as a bishop? Sure. Uh, well, actually, I, I uh, had a very nondescript upbringing in South Auckland. Yeah, it's a place yeah. called Papatoitoi, uh, next to Manorewa, Otahuhu, Otara, all that area. Uh, once were warriors' territory, <laughs> pretty much. Wow. Uh, and um, I went to De La Salle in Mangere East for the first part, and then I ended up at the local state high school, Papatoetoe High School. And so I still keep in touch with, with people from that time. It's, I certainly couldn't have been further from my mind. Uh, I, was, I was interested in, in trying to just get good grades so that I could get a good job and get a beautiful wife. That was, that was pretty much the game plan. Uh, so I, at least I, I did get the, the good grades. Uh, I ended up working as an economist and, and uh, I was at the University of Waikato in, in Hamilton and that's where I met Opus Dei back in 1989. Uh, there was a, a young lawyer there from Australia who went to the university chaplaincy and I was fascinated by the fact that this guy from Australia would come to New Zealand because it, it's usually the other way around. You know, Kiwis go, yeah. to, go to Bondi, get the doll, eat fish and chips, uh, and <laughs> that's pretty much, you know, that's, that's, the dream, that's how we right? saw things. Yeah, that's pretty much. So why would you leave Australia to come to New Zealand? Was that, anyway, but then he explained to me that he was an Opus Day, and I had no idea what Opus Day was. He could have said he was, you know, annual stay or what the hey. Or, and, um, but he invited me around, and I, and I saw that they had a, a library with various books on management and law and these sorts of things. But also that there was a chapel and with spiritual reading and, and there was a, the priest from the university was also the priest at this building. And things went from there, basically. So that's how I got involved with Opus Day and I joined uh, and 
after some time as, of working as an economist, it was put to me whether I, I should think about priesthood and gave it a bit of a thought. Uh, so I, I resigned from my job and went to Rome, studied for priesthood, was ordained a priest in Spain. And my first posting was Sydney, Australia, back in 2003. So, and I've been in Sydney ever since. So Sydney feels like home to you now? Or? Well, half my life has been in Sydney. Wow. So half, half in New Zealand, half in Sydney, and then a bit of a chunk somewhere in, in Europe. In between. Yeah. Fantastic. And so being a bishop who is part of Opus Dei, and you've been formed by Opus Dei, the concept of the universal call to holiness, which we'll focus on a bit here, is is central to your mission. That's so right. Specifically, yeah, yeah. Chapter specifically five. to men. Chapter five of the Sorry? Yeah, chapter five of Lumen Gentium of the Second Vatican Council. Universal call to holiness. That's that's what the document says. That's it, it's all about that. So the so in that sense, the Second Vatican Council uh, really underlined the baptismal calling to, to holiness and apostolate. Wonderful. And so what does this mean, the universal call to holiness, specifically as it pertains to men? What does it look like? Looks like St. Joseph. No, so <laughs> if, if Jesus took his cues from St. Joseph, that, that's a, an amazing aspect of the, the mystery mm. of the incarnation. The way that Jesus spoke was like a Galilean. The way he broke bread was the way that the father of the household broke bread. And, and those of you who are fathers know that your sons are like chips off the old block. I remember once at school seeing a, uh, one of the year 12 boys had a very particular stance. And then because it was a graduation, I was able to look at the parents and I saw the dad. He had exactly the same stance. I mean, it was just really something. Um, and mm. and that, that would be true also in the way that, that, uh, that our Lord, uh, in his upbringing, learned to, to use his human hands and, and that eye for detail from St. Joseph as he would have learned the prayers uh, of the Jewish people and, and the scriptures from Mary, his mother, you know, who had such a great uh, grasp of the prophet Isaiah and, you know, mm. as we see reflected in the Magnificat and, 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 and so it goes. Holiness is to be like Jesus Christ as we read about him in the Gospels, the Jesus of, of Nazareth. So the second person of the Blessed Trinity uh, God, <laughs> the Word, created, you know, uncreated, the one who, in whom all things have been created, became flesh, entered into human history, born of a woman, born under the law, 2,000 years ago. And it's this God who is man, uh, who we are called to follow, and with the help of the Holy Spirit to be like. So we are sons of God through our baptism, and we are sons in and through and with the Son. You know, it, it, he is the, the, the way we have to the Father. So when we pray, we pray as Christians. When we act, we act as Christians. Uh, Christ is our goal, and as the person that we, a divine person with a human nature and a divine nature, uh, whom we are called to get to know through prayer, through reading the gospel. Uh, and as we try to live out what the Holy Spirit is suggesting to us with the assistance of spiritual direction, the better we come to understand in a, in a co-natural way what our Lord is getting at, why he says and does what he has said and done and continues to act through us because we have the same heart of Jesus. You know, we start to be on the same wavelength as Jesus. Mm -hmm. And you can see through the gospel how it takes the apostles a lot of time to really to get onto that wavelength. Um, yes. their, their, their way of dealing with issues is very similar to our own. It's petty. Uh, they're more concerned with their stomachs. Uh, they, you know, run away from, from problems. Uh, they, they give in. And I look so patient with them and drawing them time and again to another way of dealing with what's before them, you know, to, to lift up their, their, their sights. And, of course, it's with the sending of the Holy Spirit that then they really do get the help they need to, to live what our Lord had asked of them and had given them that, that example. So it, it is about uh, holiness is, on the one hand, a very lofty and ideal. And, and when we read the, the writings 
of various hagiographers about the lives of the saints, it can seem totally inaccessible. You know, you think of yeah. someone who was just so generous, you think, oh my goodness. I, I was in Lebanon uh, and I went to the monastery of Saint Charbel and there's a few young men there from Punchbowl who are now monks. Uh, right. One of whom, Father Michael Sandrusi, I taught him at Notre Dame. Right. And in the liturgy of the Maronites, there, you know, they talk about Saint Charbel working away in the vineyards, and it's barren territory. It's rugged hill country, and he's there collecting the grapes. But he would not eat of the grapes while he was collecting them you know, for the wine that was going to be made. He would do that as a mortification. You think. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think I'd be you know, reaching for water and shoving my face full of those grapes. But, you know, he would, he would offer that up. And there is a detail of which in one sense, yeah, it, 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 anyone can, like, not eat a grape. But what heroism and what was it that inspired him to, to make those sorts of sacrifices? And it wasn't simply a question of being a he-man. It was very much a question of wanting to imitate Christ. And that's something that can only come out of our own prayer, those sorts of resolutions. So it, it is a question of a lofty ideal, but it is in many ways being like our Lord, who at times would not eat, would not drink. You know, they would, they, when that woman was at the Samaritan, that Samaritan woman at the well. Yeah. The apostles were, were pushing our Lord, come on, you know, have something to eat, have something to drink. He said, well, I've got food you don't know about. Oh, has someone given them something to eat? You know, they, they were very, um, <clears throat> very simple in how they looked at life. But our Lord gives an example. So he's, he's incredibly human, but at the same time, um, self-sacrificing. And, and I guess that's really the, that combination, whatever that looks like in, in, in our lives, is what holiness is going to be. Yeah. What you're saying about the apostles there, is, it really resonates with me. I mean, I remember when I first became on fire for my faith, I was probably about 18, 19, and I felt like I was making great strides, you know, I felt like I'd changed so much from who I was the year before and reading about the apostles and I'm like, after three years, these guys are still not getting it. What's wrong with them? Like, I feel like I'm doing so well. (laughs) But like 10 years after that, which is where I'm at now, I'm like, okay, now I understand this a lot better. This is long and exacting. This is long. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. That's the thing. And and it really, you know, when it comes to the other side of of, of, of seeking sanctity, which is apostolate, to be apostles, uh, it it really does mean a long-term relationship with the people around us. And and they they ultimately are going to be moved by the Holy Spirit, but insofar as we are instruments of the Holy Spirit, to the extent that they see we are men of faith, with all our defects, but we are men of faith, as were those apostles. Yeah. Okay, so we're talking about a macro view of um, how your average layperson could live a life of holiness. Um, but a good way of looking at holiness at a micro level might start with what uh, your spiritual father, St. Jose Maria, called the heroic minute. I really love this concept. Um, can you tell us and all the men out there what the heroic minute is and how we might begin living it out? Sure. Well, if you read the biographies of St. Josemaria Escriva, it's, you know, he worked hard. Like, he worked real hard, you know, going to the streets of Madrid, preaching, uh, attending to souls, trying to begin Opus Day. And he was exhausted. Yeah. And there were times when he got up late. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> it wasn't because he was lazy. It was because he was just exhausted. You know, his guardian angel would have to be his, uh, his uh, alarm clock and give him a dig in the ribs uh, <laughs> to, to get him up. But... Uh, the heroic minute is something that's, that's lived throughout the day when you know that something has to be done. And it could be at the very start of the day, you know, well, I do need to get out of bed when my alarm goes off. Yeah. Uh, depending on, you know, the, the, although the most difficult part of the heroic minute is that minute of going to bed. You know, like, I really should go to bed now. You know, it's 10 p.m. Uh, mm-hmm. I understand these things aren't always possible because when you're living in family, you know, you can't impose yourself on your wife, your children. And, you can't say to the kids, oh, look, you know, could you just please have this emotional breakdown, um, like in between, you know, between office hours kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, could you not get upset about, uh, you know, the, the fact that you're fighting over this, you know, who gets to use the phone um, or on the, be on the computer, you know, at, at a reasonable mm-hmm. hour? Um, I mean, obviously, you try to create a situation in which those things don't, don't pop up at 2 a.m., but 
look, life is life, you know, and you've got to, you've got to deal with that. So it's, it's, it's yeah. not a hard and um, fast rule. But, but certainly, you know, when you know that what has to be done is, is done. So I do need to get up at this particular time. The alarm goes, you get up. You don't think about it. You don't think, wouldn't it be interesting? Let me pontificate. Why does one, you know, the, what did Marcus Aurelius have to say about getting up early? You know, no, because you're gone. There's another half hour just gone. So, because what that means then is that if you look after order, order will look after you. It means it creates time for you to get your self into, into consciousness and to spend time in scripture or prayer to begin the day uh, in the right way. So there are other moments throughout the day when maybe you're browsing on your phone, reading the paper, mm. Doing whatever it might be, and there are times when it's appropriate to it is appropriate to waste time. You know, it's a very difficult concept, I think, for us. We find leisure more and more difficult. We're always at the behest of an email, um, working, and and so you know th th it could be a heroic minute in terms of put the phone away and spend time doing something quite quite different. You know, living yes. that order. Yes. Uh, and as I say, probably the most difficult point is not getting up in the morning. It could be going to bed at night. Uh, depend, we all got, you know, some are night owls, some are early thrones. But uh, that, it's, it's doing what you know needs to be done. And it doesn't mean being rigid. And I think we have to understand that Spaniards and Italians are very good at flexibility. So the Spaniards have a concept of the belt. The belt can be tighter or looser depending on how, how big your belly is. <laughs> you know, and sometimes you've been eating, sometimes you've been fasting, so you can tighten or loosen the belt. But so it's not that you, you never make an exception. You know, it depends what, at the end, what matters is the good. Yes. Uh, but it does mean making an effort. It does mean ascetical struggle. Mm -hmm. And so you're already alluding to and leading into the next question here. You know, a lot of men who are interested in even tuning into something like what we're doing here, this conversation, they're interested in prayer. They might have committed to it in theory, but their prayer lives might be all over the place because of the busyness of some of the temptations you're mentioning, a lot of which has to do with our phones. Um, you know, we've got our families too, our jobs, our commutes. Um, and there's a good chance we're even spending too much time looking at uh, Bishop Richard Umber's memes on, on, on our Facebook page <laughs> or our Twitter feed. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> um, well, I, like, I think, you know, you talk about examination of conscience and the iPhone makes an examination of conscience for you because it tells you how long you've been on your phone. You get a weekly update on screen time. That's good. And it even gives you that's a good. breakdown <laughs> as to, you know, how long you've been on each, each item. So if I was to say I've been four hours and 16 minutes last the previous week, you know, mm. on my phone, uh, that may be an appropriate amount of time to be on my phone, given what what I have to do. Yeah, fine. You know, so it, it's not that phone, it's not that phones are bad, or that internet is bad, or that social media is bad. It, it, it's actually appropriate for us to be in these areas. Mm -hmm. But the question would be compared to what you know. So, how long is a piece of string? Yeah. Uh, what does that look like for you? If you have four hours in the in the week to be on your phone, and the phone's told you you, you have because you've spent four hours on it. Mm. could there have been an hour in there somewhere that could have been given to Jesus? Yeah. Could there have been three hours on the phone and one hour to Jesus? So we always have time for the things that we want to do. We make time for them. Yeah. We really do. There's always, there's always time. <laughs> you know, if we did a Wi-Fi connection, we look for it. You know, there's, we'll persevere yeah. to the end. And, and I think it's also that at the same time, like, there are times you and I have skipped breakfast from time to time because life got in the way. But it's yeah. not that we wanted to skip breakfast. I wasn't there saying, oh, I really, I'm living this periodic fasting. And I, no, it's just that, you know, I had to attend to this, then to that, then to this, then to that. And I didn't get chance, you know, maybe I got a coffee, but that was it. You know, I, I didn't get a chance to sit down and have bacon of eggs. And, oh, wouldn't that be nice? Uh, it's the same tr is if, if I had the opportunity, maybe I've been called away to do something, that's fine. But as soon as I can get an opportunity, I'm going to have a meal. You know, I'm not going to say, unless I was genuinely fasting or something, I, I, I you know, did the toast and eat the Wheaties. I did. So I'll, I'll squeeze that in somehow. Uh, and not even squeeze, I'll, I'll try and dedicate a bit of time to having a proper breakfast or a proper lunch if I've missed breakfast. Well, wouldn't I do the same for prayer? Like, it's true. I usually have a set time to pray. This is a good time. Now I can be 
you know, mind is clear. I can spend it before the blessed sacrament. I can do these things. That's great. And that's, we should have that routine. Yeah. But if something gets else, gets in the way, well, I'll, I'll keep looking for a time when I can do that in the same way that I would look for that meal. Now, it may happen that I have to miss eating and maybe miss eating for a long period of time because of the, the, the needs of the family and work. Mm-hmm. But I can only keep that up for so long. I will collapse without it. And spiritually, the same is true. You know, without prayer, without the grace that comes from being in the presence of our Lord and knowing who we are in the presence of our Lord and understanding the true value of things in the presence of our Lord, uh, we lose the plot. And, and I think San Jose Maria even makes a point. He said, look, at first you get by by cheating, but then all the world knows that you've given up in your prayer. Yeah, yeah so true. I, I mean, I just... I just think if everybody reflected on themselves and what they become like when they're not praying, then that's a good incentive to pray. Yes. I become somebody who I really don't like uh, yes. when prayer dries up. If I if I really reflect on that, you know, I'm, I'm impatient, I'm mean, my thoughts are all over the place, um, I'm not productive, everything. Um, so do you have any any other tips to help actually make prayer a habit that sticks, like something that we actually really want to do, like having bacon and eggs? <laughs> Well, obviously, you you know you you can take notes from your prayer. You, these are just suggestions. There's there's no right or wrong way of praying. It's about lifting the heart and the mind to God. Yeah. And ultimately, at times there'll be no words at all. If if you when you're good friends with someone and you've been living their life and they've been living your life, you know that's that's with friendship. But if we're living the life of Christ and following the gospel and trying to do what He wants, um, we'll be looking to our Lord for consolation. You know, who, who, to whom else will I, will I tell my, my troubles? Mm. Uh, we can't spend our entire prayer just, you know, woo, woe is me, um, <laughs> which is a temptation sometimes. Uh, but, you know, here is where I, I am with the one that I intend to spend eternity with. And even if I'm terribly distracted, it's still, look, well, you know, mate, Lord, here I am, uh, maybe a hunting dog at, at the feet of his master, you know, sort of dreaming about catching rabbits. But I'm here, you know, and, and yeah. that's what counts. Uh, so it, there are ups and downs. There's times you like it, times you don't like it, but you're there. And in the same way, any relationship of friendship, of being married, calls for presence. You know, you've got to be there. You can't just say, yes, darling, I love you, and then never see them. You know, or, or even when you try and say, look, I just want to spend three hours with the boys. You know, I'll be back later. Uh, <laughs> good luck to you. <laughs> That's yeah. something you have to fight for. Uh, you can't just take that one for granted. So, it, it too, you know, with our, with our Lord, you, you've, you've just got to dedicate that time in the same way that you do with your wife, with your children, with, with, with friends. Our Lord is part of that, that mixture, whatever that looks like. And it, it doesn't mean trying to be a monk. You know, monks should do monk things, and monks do very well when they're when they're monks. Uh, but as Saint Francis de Sales would say, you know, as a as a father of a family, well, you've got to be a father of a family. You shouldn't be looking to live the spirituality of a monk. Mm. But that doesn't mean you don't pray. It doesn't mean you say, oh well, you know, I, I think I get to mass on Sunday and that'll do me. No, <laughs> you know, that's that's on life support. Uh, yeah. You know, we. we that, you know, you're not going to be playing for the Wallabies or for the Socceroos or something like that, you know, by, by watching a game of, uh, of soccer online um, once a week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, and, and that's what we have to be striving for, you know, as, because we, it's not a question of physical fitness. It's a question of spiritual fitness and, mm-hmm. and love for our Lord. And the more we get into it, the, the more we are drawn like a magnet towards God as the center and, and focus of, of, of all that we do and in our hearts. Yeah, wonderful. That's that's great advice. Thank you. Um, can you recommend any spiritual reading to this end? Some, I guess, introductory texts that you might think might be helpful. Well, depends. D- depends what you're up to. You know, when, when I have people over for drinks, you know, mm. you can you can give them water. Some people just like water. Some people like tea uh, without milk or, or very you know chamomile or something. Other people want you know, where's the whiskey? Yeah, <laughs> and, and the, you know, the good stuff. Um, so and there's so everything in between. And, and so when it comes to spiritual reading, it depends how strong you like your drink. So yeah. it could be that you're in a situation of illness, and, and all you can cope with is something very light. 
you know, mm. just just a bit of chamomile, and, and that's fine too. You know, you're you're in shock, and you just need, so there are. I think Jacques Philippe is is profound. You know, yes, time, I agree. Time is a treasure, and time for prayer, and these, and he's beautiful, very beautiful. I've met him, and he's very serene, calm, yeah. and, and that's the kind of thing that you can you know easily take to your prayer. If you want a good kick in the pants, if if you are perhaps you know a younger college student because this is the audience, uh, and you think you're the sort of person that would like to have a little drink here at the end of the day and, and be very bourgeois, and, you know, I'm glad that there are saints somewhere out there, or I'm glad that there are martyrs, you know, in that other country, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I push my like, <laughs> and that's yeah. as far as I go. Then you need to read a copy of The Way by, by St. Josemaria Screamer, because that is just pure fire. Uh, mm -hmm. you'll, 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 you'll put it down shaking and go, oh, my goodness. <laughs> But it's meant, it's, it's meant to, to give you a, a, a bit of a kick along. Um, and, and then, of course, there, there's everything in between. I think one good book for spiritual reading is, is Soul of the Apostolate, which is yes, a very I old love book. That book. I but, love that but, book. Gee, but that puts you in your, in your place uh, yeah. as regards where things stand between you and God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think those are great recommendations, having read a couple of them. Um, Let's bring the sacraments into it, Bishop. Um, how do the sacraments, you know, well, first of all, can a Catholic man, or any man really, survive spiritually or thrive without the sacraments? They don't. They don't. If, you want to, if you want to live a Christian life, well, sacraments are essential. That's how, we, that's how we encounter Jesus Christ. We meet Jesus in the church, in the liturgy, in the sacraments. Uh, that's Christ acting. And it's a grace that comes from without. It's not you know, discover the goddess within and all this sort of stuff. No, <laughs> that's not Christian. You know, we are sons yeah. of God, uh, children of God. But, it, but it's you know because we receive baptism. It, it's it's from without. And it's uh, when we receive the sacraments, we clear. It's not by my own strength that I'm able to to go the distance. And in the Old Testament, there are many stories that prepare the way for what Christ will institute. You think of, you know, the prophet who just wants to give up and lay down and die. And no, you know, he's roused up. Come on, have a little bit of bread, have a little bit of, you know, something to drink. And then he's able to continue, you know, with this mana, with this gift from God yes. for many, many days, you know. And in the same way, we, we can receive our Lord fruitfully in the Holy, in Holy Communion mm. uh, and, and keep going. And, and certainly regularly to receive the sacrament of reconciliation you know it's a great booster and it's not just a question of oh don't i didn't run anyone over in the last week um you know i haven't you know i haven't stolen a million dollars so i'm, I'm in the clear no it, it's you know, we want to receive all the help we can get for our venial sins uh and, and you know hey you know if i really examine my conscience and i i really look with the help of the holy spirit i'll see well this is difficult because I want to. I want to be justified in my slackness, and yes. you know, I know I know my vices, and that's the way I like them. But I do need to change. And when I recognise that I've done the wrong thing, and I actually name it and shame it, oh, then there's an opportunity there to actually make a change. And I can, with the help that God gives me, with the grace that I receive in the sacrament of reconciliation. Uh, in that ongoing help of the Eucharist, even if I didn't get any warm fuzzies, I didn't feel particularly moved. Mm. It's not about feelings. Uh, it, it's about the grace I have received from without, but this is Christ sustaining me. And as so too with the you know, sacrament of holy orders or sacrament of marriage, there is a specific sacramental grace to help me with the specific challenges uh, that I have to face. Confirmation, the same, you know, that what does it mean to be an adult Christian? And that, after the age of reason, it's pretty much, you know, you have to sort of defend the faith. Well, confirmation is a specific sacramental grace helping you in, in, in those areas. Um, and, 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 and on it goes. So this is what it means to live a, a Christian life, to live life in the spirit, rather than uh, as that monk who was condemned as a heretic thought it, Pelagius, you know, you talk about Pelagianism, where it's just me at the spiritual gym. I roll up my sleeves, you know, I do my 10 arm curl <laughs> aspirations or whatever it is, and, you know, good to go. Well, no, uh, it's about grace. And, and, and a lot of the time, the struggle is about humility. 
and beginning again and getting it wrong and saying sorry and starting over and in the grace of reconciliation. And from that, we should try to be a little more lenient with others and more forgiving of others. And that's, I think, what our Lord was able to show the apostles through their own weaknesses. Um, Peter, certainly, you know, and they're, they're quite upfront about the fact that they get it wrong. They're, they're not overly worried about showing who they are. Mm. Uh, but because really in the end, what matters is, is love for God. And, you know, am I genuine about that or not? So how do the sacraments help us, um, again, like going back to our busy lives, work, family life? What, what's it, what is actually happening with the way that God's grace acts upon our souls to make us, help us to be better, at least give us the opportunity to be better in those well, challenging situations? Look at, it, look at it from the point of view of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And if you think about which which come to us in baptism and are boosted at, at, at confirmation that you know we have these different ways of, of imitating jesus christ you know but mm. fortitude the gift of fortitude you, you spoke about horror minutes but yeah. well to, to do what we know we should do but to actually have the grace to do it uh, many people there are many theologians that can opine about all manner of things but are they actually living the faith do they do they know what the ten commandments are can they even name them um <laughs> That's, that's really what counts. Uh, counsel, you know, when you're able, because you have a supernatural outlook on life and you can see how things lead to God and, and really that's what matters in the end. When people, are, friends ask you for advice, you give advice that's, that's Christian. Um, it, it's, it's, it's grounded. It takes into account that we are sinful, but that also we are redeemed. And how does this in the end lead to your relationship with God and, 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 and in the lives of others? Uh, and that's something only really a Christian can, can give that perspective on. And that's with the help of the Holy Spirit. Uh, understanding situations, understanding even what God is saying through the scriptures, understanding the gospels. I remember once a Japanese fellow at university with me and the Protestants at the college had given him a Bible and he knew I was Catholic, and he was asking me, what's this thing? You know, he said, I thought the Bible was going to be all this wisdom, but it's just all these stories. <laughs> you know, uh, you know thinking about the parables. And so, the parables, yeah. Yeah, and so he didn't have, at that stage, I don't know where he's at now, but he didn't, at that, he didn't have the gift of faith. He couldn't make sense of what was there, even though you and I, because God has given us the gift of faith and we've been living a Christian life, we understand, ah, this is what our Lord is getting at when he said, when he, you know, even though the apostles say, explain the parable to us. You know, like, what do you mean? So that's a, that's, that's a gift of the Holy Spirit, to understand these things, yeah. to have that knowledge. And ultimately, wisdom. You know, how does it all, and, and we know all things work to the good for those who love God. You know, how does it all, in the end, lead to, to eternal life? Uh, in etern you know, that's, that's where we're living Christian lives, and that's where the sacraments play that role in, in, in everyday decisions and in, in everyday attitudes. Yeah, I think that's great. I think, um, you know, looking at all the fear-mongering that you see in mainstream media today, I think the sacraments really help with helping our perspective, I've found for myself certainly, helping me to look at things when I focus on God through a, a lens of eternal life. So, you know, not just being bound to here and what's what's attacking me in my senses um but like okay well is it really the end of the world whatever happens no <laughs> you know like why am i really here yes uh, what, what am i really doing here what's it all about um and then it's like well i can really be at peace like jesus says he wants to give us peace no matter what the situation um and, and, peace that surpasses understanding and that but that peace is a gift and it doesn't preclude passion or yeah. being upset, you know, because that's also part of the mystery of the incarnation. Jesus wept. Yeah. So it's, not, it's yeah. not some sort of stoic indifference. Like, mm. you know, I, I don't care. We, we do care. And, and we are called to live everyday life with everyday realities. Uh, our Lord talks at times about the children of light and the children of the dark. And the children of the dark seem to be a bit more savvy <laughs> than the children yeah. of the light. You know, uh, you know, the wise as serpents, innocent as doves, mm. but wise as serpents. And that's something that 
you, you, we do need a certain uh, understanding, a good, a shrewd understanding of, of what it is to be human. And I think people do excel in everyday life with that. So we're not, you know, we're all, we're all a bit different, but it, it, it doesn't preclude being worldly wise. It, what it does preclude is being worldly. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to make that distinction. Um, so Bishop, frequenting the sacraments and practicing daily prayer as we're talking about here, this makes a strong case for men, especially men who are husbands and fathers, to become the spiritual leaders of their homes if they haven't taken on that leadership yet. And if we look at some statistics here, I'll just give a quick quote here from a study by Population Studies magazine. And there it says, in short, if a father does not go to church, no matter how faithful his, wife devotion, his wife's devotions, only one child in 50 will become a regular worshipper. This is across Catholic and Protestant churches. If a father does go regularly, regardless of the practice of the mother, between two-thirds and three-quarters of the children will become churchgoers. So the question here is, and it's a softball question here, what is the role of the father in leading his children in the faith? Well, like, like uh, many things, we, show, we preach through deeds. So mm-hmm. if, if, if the father of the family thinks he's going to get to heaven through the prayers of his wife, he's, you know, that, that's outsourcing a bit too much. Uh, and it's incumbent yeah. upon ourselves as priests to, to, to help facilitate men being able to get together. It's one of the big problems that we have is that anywhere you go in the world, you'll see plenty of women involved in, in all sorts of very productive activities yeah. uh, in prayer at church. The only men you get to see are on the other side of the uh, of the communion rail, uh, you know, whether it be priests and altar boys. At least you get the men there. <laughs> That's, you know, th- thanks be to God. Um, but most of the men are out, you know, with chicken fights and you know, cockfighting and or <laughs> getting drunk or doing these sorts of things, you know, and, and yeah. not living up to their responsibilities. Uh, mm. And that's a that's a that's a terrible situation, and and yet it's a very common one, you know, across the globe. Yeah. So there's real need to, in terms of leadership, is to to be a father, uh, to to live up to one's responsibilities and in, in, in getting the daily bread, but also to be praying for that. And if you say, well, look, I, I send my kids to a good school; they're all very religious there. You know, catechism's taking care of these people who know better. I'll just outsource that. What you're really saying is it's not important enough to me to, to be bothered. And the same thing is when the kids ask questions as they normally do, and you say, I'll oh, just go ask the priest. Again, you're yep. saying it's not important enough to me to be bothered. Yep. So there's no way out of leading by example and leading. And that means finding out, studying, reading the Bible, Talking about God, men hate talking about anything important. You know, they never want to talk about the birds and the bees. They never want to talk about God. They, you know, oh, how's the footy, son? No, you know, that, that, I mean, that's a bit old school and we're not like that today, I would hope. Uh, you've got to talk about God. You've got to talk about what it means to be uh, a, a loving husband. You've got to talk about what it means to be a dad. And, of course, the problem is they, people hold you to it then because you say, oh, but you said, and they go, oh, yeah, I know I said. But, yeah. <laughs> so that's why people that's are sort of a bit reluctant to say, oh, I'm nobody. Yes. But, it, but it, is, it, it is, you know, it's hugely powerful to see uh, your dad say a prayer, mm. to see your dad go into church, make a genuflection, kneel down and pray. Yeah. See dad lined up going into the confessional. Uh, to see Dad uh, saying, "Look, you know, got to get to mass. Come on," yeah. uh, and, you know, but it's led by by the father in these areas. You go, "Okay, this matters. This is important," uh, and that, you know, certainly to be able to give good explanations as well, because there are a thousand questions. So we live in a society now where you can't take anything for granted. Not even what is it is to be. What's a man and what's a woman? I mean, that, that's, you know, even the birth certificates aren't, aren't saying what your biological sex is. It, 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 you know, it's so difficult to say what's up and what's down, what's left, what's right. 
we, we have to be able to talk about these things and, and, and live that out. And go, what is it to be a man? Well, here's the example. And it doesn't mean being he-man or, you know, putting your chest out. It's got nothing to do with it. It does mean uh, providing. It does mean protecting. It does mean uh, being, being you know, a man of your word. Yes. You know, I mean, these are the things that, that have to be showcased in a sense. And, and there's a great stability that you're able to provide for the rest of the family. You know, a, a certain um, a, you know, strong silence, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even if you are a person who talks a lot. But it, there's that, there's that um, equanimity, that, that uh, fatherly way. Of, of, of loving and taking an interest and, and following things and, and following up and spending a bit of time with each one. And, and maybe even, you know, when you do get around to saying, well, now we're going to do some prayer or, or these things, it's not something forced. It, it, it comes from within. And one thing I remember from my own dad, who wasn't particularly religious, mum was the, you know, one who dragged him along to church and made him pray and do these things. But, but my father was, I was very impressed with how noble he was. And, you know, he would take me as a kid to the hospital to, to meet someone he'd read about in the paper who'd been run over. And he said, well, this person probably has no visitors. So went to visit him and, you know, we had a game of chess with this guy who'd been cycling around New Zealand and been run over. But that kind of thing that, you know, my dad would go out of his way to do something for others um, yeah. in, in different ways. And that spoke volumes to me. It had played a large role in me saying yes to, to my vocation even though that furthest thing from my dad's mind. But his example impacted me in a, in a, in a very deep way. And, and I think that's, that's what life is. It's, you know, we've got our ups and downs. We, we are who we are. But if, if we take it seriously, the kids will know, and they'll take it very seriously. Yes. I, I just think back a little bit. I think um, that example that men can set, even if it's not your own children, like I think of before, before I got married and had kids or anything, I've got um, nephews. So my, my older sister has three boys and um, the oldest boy is uh, my godchild. Now, my sister's family aren't practicing their faith or anything like that, but the oldest nephew will come and spend a weekend with us. And I think this is just when I was at uni, you know, and, um, you know, trying to take my faith seriously. And I, I got to the point where I was like, okay, hey, you know, I need to dress a bit nicer for, for mass on Sunday. And so it, it's like the middle of summer at the Gold Coast in Queensland. And, and um, but I sort of said, okay, I'm going to try and dress a little bit smarter. I'm going to make sure I wear long pants to mass. Sure. At least. Yes. Yes. Um, and so, you know, my nephew, who was like four or five years old at this point, he saw me doing that. And, I, and he's like, why are you wearing long pants if it's so hot? And I was like, well, I want to be respectful to God in yes. his house. He's like, I want to wear long pants. Yes. And then he follows me into the church and I genuflect and it's like, well, he wants to genuflect. And, yes. Um, you know, it, it, it happens so beautifully, like that order that, that a male role model can set. Um, yeah, it's just really beautiful when, that, when that's in place and it can be followed. And it doesn't even have to be the dad doing it. If there's some man in the, in the young boy's life doing that, it, it can do well, there, so much there, for him. There's so much, the, the real, so much confusion. The real problem of absent fathers it's it's an enormous mm. enormous problem, which is reflected in our Netflix shows. So for all the wokeness that's out yep. there, the absent father is is a, a theme that comes up over and over. You know, and people are looking for male role models. I agree. So uh, we might move on um, to talking about some life issues because you're the bishop for life, and I'm in the life family and outreach office. Uh, I want to talk a bit about that, but again, with an eye to how it affects men. Um, as you know, men get attacked by the left or the pro-abortion side of things for, for being active in any way, shape or form in the pro-life movement. Um, how important is it for, for men to be actively pro-life? Well, it's important for everybody to be actively pro-life, men included. Yeah. Uh, and I would say that in the first instance, it means being open to life. Yeah. So the, the, the first aspect is to fight against selfishness, mm -hmm. uh, which is present many times with pornography, contraception, yeah. uh, all these ways in which there's lust involved. And it's just about 
Now, there could be complex reasons into all of these things, too. I'm not taking away from that. But but end of the day, it's, just, it's been lustful. And that's that's a real issue of, in the case of perhaps even of some men, of, of avoiding intimacy and avoiding a personal relationship because that, that's challenging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So the, to, to grow in self-control, to grow in concern for the other, to be in conversation with one's spouse uh, and to, to basically be in, in charge of oneself so that one can give of oneself. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's a large part of, of the, the importance of holy purity. Yes. Is that, that need to, 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 to actually be in possession of yourself, which is what um, the, the, that, that, I suppose, you know, you talk about a gift of holy purity, but also the, just simply the virtue of temperance, mm. uh, which is involved there in, in the living chastity. Yeah. It, it is about possession of oneself. And, and from that perspective, you can then be generous in, in many different ways uh, and, and be more loving rather than simply just taking. So I think openness to life is, is probably the big challenge. Yeah. And from that, but all these ways of living hospitality with those who are outside of the family as well, you know, that, to have family love and then to bring others into the warmth of that family. Um, that is very, a very pro-life kind of way. And then, of course, the way, you know, treating dignity and everybody, everyone's a brother and sister, those who are refugees, <laughs> those who are, you know, less fortunate in, in one way or another, those who are elderly. Uh, it, it just, you know, the, the circle of love expands. Yeah. In that sense, but it, it does it does begin with with self mastery, I think. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that, and that actually even just got me reflecting on how I got involved in the pro life movement. And before I got involved actively, I was you know I came out of high school and I did net ministries for two years. And uh, when I did net ministries, that was a very important time for me to work on the virtue of holy purity. And it's like once I started to get on top of that a little bit more, then suddenly my, it felt like my heart for others expanded just naturally. And, you know, suddenly I'm just way more compassionate about, you know, the pre-born or about what mothers in, you know, these crisis situations might be going through and, oh, what can, what can I do for them? You know, just those questions which wouldn't have occupied my mind beforehand when I was struggling with myself so much um, were able to come up. Um, yeah, so I think that's reflected in probably quite a few guys' experiences who, who are active in this movement as well. Um, so, Bishop Richard, um, we like to issue a challenge to our men every time we have a guest on this show, uh, something that we can keep each other accountable to on our Facebook group um, over the next week. What would you like to challenge the Maximus men out there to do? Well, I can't ask people to do something I'm not doing myself. So that's, <laughs> I have to, so the challenge is then, I suppose, you know, to reveal, a, reveal a bit of myself here. Uh, okay. there's, there's a number of points I need to work on. I can assure you of that. So <laughs> one point, maybe I need to, if I challenge myself in this, and then, you know, you'll, you'll know whether I'm, how well I'm living this too, uh, because <laughs> it will be leaving technology to one side. So I, I am tempted because I've got the phone near me. You know, as I'm an older man, not for any particular reason, but I, I, you know, I go through various cycles in my sleep. Uh, and the temptation to look at Twitter is, uh, in my case, it's a big one, but, you know, what's happening on Twitter? You know, what, what's going on in America now? What's going on in England? And, yeah. You know, news, news junkie in some ways. Um, you never get enough news. But I, I would say the challenge would be to, to leave our phones aside, uh, during the nighttime to try to, to be a bit more contemplative, a bit more in dialogue with the Lord. Mm. It's hard because it's so addictive, but yeah. it leads to, to more, more order, more rest. We all know it's good. It's just difficult to do. So there's a challenge. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's perfect. That, that's a challenge to me. I th- yeah, I really think that's just a challenge to everyone. Um, I, I did Exodus 90 this year leading up to Easter. And I think the hardest part was was the phone because they say limit technology as much as possible and only use it for essential reasons. And, you know, every time I went on, I'm like, is this essential or not? Like, 
yes, I'm talking to this person. I need to maintain a relationship with this person. So yeah, this is essential. But then, but then the thing that's hard about the phone and especially social networks, I think, is they've got psychologists working for them designing these platforms to keep you there. So even if you go on and do your thing, and then you're like, okay, I know I've done my thing. They're still pulling you. Like it's just pulling at you on like all sides of your brain. You're gonna have to leave it in a you know, so when you go into bed at night, just leave it in another room. Yeah. You know, yes, there are alarm clocks. So you know, you can use an alarm clock, you could Yeah, yeah. You could yeah. have uh, I don't know, whatever those things are, you know, hey Google, and then it up and comes Yeah, when I was at uni, um I was struggling to get up with my alarm and, and with the phone issue. So there was a spare bedroom not too far away from my bedroom, two rooms away. So I actually put the alarm on and put the phone in the different rooms. I'd actually have to get up and go into sure. the other room yes. to turn the alarm off. Yeah, there are alarm clocks that roll around the floor until you finally get them. And... <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> um, okay, well, that brings us to the conclusion of our conversation here, uh, Bishop Richard. Thank you so much for taking the time out. And being with us, um, there's a lot of wisdom that I think we can mine and that all the guys can get from, from this conversation. Um, would you like to give us a blessing before we all head off this afternoon? Of course. So let me, let me say a prayer from the Divine Office. In the name yes. of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Listen favorably to our evening prayer, Lord, and grant that as we follow your Son's example, we may by perseverance yield a harvest of good works. We make this prayer through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And may Almighty God bless all of you who are watching this. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bishop Richard. And once again, guys, like us on Facebook, Maximus Men's Driving for Greatness, and join the Facebook group, Maximus Men. Uh, until next time, God bless you all. Thanks again, Bishop Richard. And God bless you as well.